you guys. Good morning, church. How you guys doing this morning? This is a, a good morning. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you can join us for worship this morning. We're going to be continuing our study of the heart of Christ. And over these last several weeks, we've spent a lot of time reading and looking at Scripture and seeing what the Scriptures said about the heart of Christ. Last week, uh, Tim used Jesus Christ and talked to us about what Jesus Christ shows us and teaches us about the heart of Christ as he extends his friendship to us. Today we're going to look at an important role, the important part that the Holy Spirit plays in helping us understand the heart of Christ. Now before we get into this, I don't want anybody to freak out. We are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and that's okay. He is a good guy Right? He's part of, of the triune head of the God. He's not just good, he's holy. God put that in his name, just like God the Father is holy and God the Son is holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. It's in his name right there, Holy Spirit. So we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, there can be a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit and what exactly his function is. What role does he play? And to be honest with you, we're not going to be able to unpack all of that today in just a few minutes. But I think for today we need to start, we need to have a baseline, we need to have something to work from, a working knowledge on what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is before we start this message. Theology professor Dr. Morgan, he summed it up, the purpose of the Holy Spirit in a very concise statement. He wrote this, the two key ministries of the Spirit to us are uniting us to Christ and enabling us to live for Christ in the community of faith. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, he unites us to Christ by drawing us to him. He intercedes on our behalf. He convicts us of our sins. He produces fruit in our life. He helps us uh, to be transformed, to be more Christ-like. And then he enables us to, to live for Christ as the church by teaching us, by empowering us, and equipping us. So the question then comes down to, what does any of this have to do with the heart of Christ. Well, we're about halfway through our study, and we've heard about the heart of Christ through the words of the apostles and the prophets, and recently looked at the heart of Christ through the example of Jesus Christ just last week. Today, I want us to look at how the Holy Spirit helps us experience the heart of Christ. The Father and His great mercy for us and His gentle and lowly heart not only explains to us His heart in the Scriptures, not only gave us an example to to learn from in the life and death of Jesus Christ, but for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, he gives us a helper. He gives us somebody to help us experience the heart of Christ. Look with me at one of Paul's letters to the churches in Corinth, and Paul wrote this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And as we move forward, this is something we need to understand about this passage to fully appreciate how the Holy Spirit helps us experience the heart of God. The original Greek word that was used in there that was translated here to understands, it comes from a Greek verb that literally means to know. And in the book that we're reading, Pastor Dane Ortlund, he mentions this. He says, knowing or understanding here is something holistic. It's not less than intellectual apprehension, but more. It is experiential knowing. 
knowing something through experience, right? We have experience, so we don't just know of it, but we know what it is. We know how it feels. For example, most of you know that if you are exposed to tear gas, your eyes burn, they water, and you're a little bit uncomfortable. But then there are some of us that have a better understanding of just how uncomfortable you become when you are exposed to tear gas. You know exactly how your throat is so raw the minute it touches it. Your eyeballs burn and the mucus singes the inside of your nostrils and your throat as it's coming out of every orifice on your face. Right? We know that your skin dries up and tingles. Those that have experienced tear gas know, like capital K-N-O-W, how it feels. They know by experiencing it how uncomfortable tear gas can be. Right? When you experience tear gas, you have a much better understanding of what they mean when they say it is uncomfortable. That is for sure. And Paul is saying in this passage, those that have the Spirit have experiential knowledge of the things that God has given us. And here he's referencing his grace and his love in our lives. And it's because of the Holy Spirit that we can begin to experience and truly understand the heart of Christ. The Holy Spirit allows us to experience the heart of Christ. Look with me at Romans chapter 5. I'm going to begin in verse 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Paul writes this. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we get in even into the sermon, I'm going to give you some, some free truth, some bonus message. But just in this passage, your hope in God will never be put to shame. Right? You can fully trust and be confident of placing your hope in God. God will not let you down. He will not let your hope prove empty ever. Much different than when we put our hope in people, when we put our hope in things, when we put our hope in money, when we put our hope in our reputation, things that will endlessly put us down and fail us time and time again. But hope in God will never, ever fail you. That sentence by itself is a whole another sermon that we will look at at another time. But now we're going to get back to what it means and how the Holy Spirit helps us experience God's heart. This is a spirit-given experience of God's love. When we talk about the Holy Spirit pouring God's love into your heart. This is not a logical premise for an argument. It's not to help you debate. It is something that is felt in your heart. When the Holy Spirit pours it, it's something you experience. It is known the way that your heart knows things through experience. God's love poured into your heart is a real heart experience of being loved by God. You can say, I am loved by God because I have experienced it. And that is through the Holy Spirit. And from this passage, Pastor John Piper, he identified four things that Paul was trying to teach the Christians in Rome about experiencing God's love. I'm going to share those with you. We're going to run through these pretty quick. But the first thing 
that Paul teaches is that the experience of the love of God is poured out through the Holy Spirit. This is not your own doing. Right? It is not the product of mere circumstances. It's not to your family origin. It's not to you who your dad is. It is simply to the work of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing you could do to make it happen. The Holy Spirit made it all happen. It is his work. This experience of feeling loved by God is the work of God, and it is given to us supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. It's not by man. It's not by ourselves. It's not by our works. It's not by our past. It's not by our family. It's not by our great-granduncle who's a pastor in Alabama. It is simply due to the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's some people that compare their relationship with God to their relationship with their father. And they say, hey, I can't have a relationship with God because my father was, and you fill in the blank, he was abusive, he was mean. The work of the Holy Spirit, experiencing God's love, has nothing to do with that. You could have the best earthly father in the world who loves you dearly, and he would still be a poor representation of the father's love for you. Experiencing God's love is simply the work of the Holy Spirit. The second thing that we learn is that the, the experience of God's love has factual content. Right? There is a knowledge component to this experience, and there are real facts behind that knowledge. In that passage we just read in, in Romans, in verses 6 and 8, Paul unfolds for us the historical facts that Christ died for the helpless, that he died for the sinful, that he died for us. It was a factual event. It happened on a specific day in a specific time. And the love of God is experienced in the heart. And the love of God is demonstrated in history. There is fact and there is feeling. There is knowledge that is in our head and there is affection that is in our heart. There is truth and there is spirit. And scripture is telling us that God the Father is looking for those who worship in truth and in spirit. The third thing that we learn is that the experience of God's love comes to every Christian in some measure. Verse 9 continues, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. That means that all Christians have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. There are no exceptions. There are no Christians who merely know God by head knowledge, who can argue for God but have never experienced the love of Christ. They were never born again. But everyone who's had the Spirit pour the love of Christ in their heart has tasted and experienced the love of God in Christ crucified. The fourth thing that we learn is that the experience of God's love varies from time to time and person to person. There are people in this room right now who have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. And I talk about the experience of God's love in your life and they're looking at me, uh, probably not even looking at me, they're probably looking at their watch and they're probably trying to figure out what they're having for lunch. They just really don't care. And simply put, you might know of God but you do not know God. You are not saved. And then there's other people in this room right now whose heart is exploding out of their chest and they know 100% exactly what I am talking about. The love of God to them is so real at this moment that there is no explanation that will adequately describe the love of God working in their life right now. 
as Pastor John Piper said in his paper, then there's everybody in between and probably nobody the same. So we have those that are not saved, and then we have those whose hearts are busting out of their chest and they are experiencing the love of God right now, and then we have everybody in the middle. Pastor John said, that is the challenge of being a pastor, to trying to communicate this truth to an audience that has such a varying degree of coolness to lukewarmness to burning on, burning hot for Jesus Christ right now. Here's the truth, church. All experiences are very, very different, but all are very real. Church, as you and as we experience the love of Christ in our lives, we should know and we should trust that Jesus is loving us perfectly. And that may be a different experience than from somebody else. If I want to show my love to my son Isaac, my oldest son, what I will do is I will sit in a room and I, if he lets me, I'll touch his Legos and I will just sit there with him. And he will have headphones on, listening to 80s music, and he'll be watching a Marvel movie. And as long as I don't talk to him or touch his pile of Legos, man, we got a good thing going. Right? And he feels really, really loved. And then there's my son, Max. Well, he's a little bit different. Because when I get with Max, we talk and talk and talk and talk. And if I get tired of talking, he'll just talk for the both of us. Right? We'll talk while we're wrestling. We'll talk while we're looking for things that we will never, ever, ever find. And he will just keep talking and talking. He'll talk about this and he'll talk about that. And sometimes, I kid you not, he freely admits he has no idea what he's talking about. But we just talk and his love tank is full. The knowledge of Christ's love in the sense of the inward, personal experience of the Holy Spirit loving us, loving us individually. It's freeness, it's tenderness, it's depth, it's patience for each of us is the great dynamic of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul prays for his readers to know the love of Christ. And scripture tells us that by being rooted and grounded in his love and the love of Christ, we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The love of Christ is infinitely larger than any object knowledge, than anything we could think that we know. It is made known through truth, head knowledge. And scripture tells us it is also made known through the spirit, heart knowledge, our experiences. His all-encompassing love reaches every corner of our life experiences. Right? When we feel alone and are isolated, it is his love that reaches out to us to comfort us. In our times of discouragement and despair, it is his love that reaches down to us and provides us with peace. In our fear and frustration, it is his love that reaches up to us and fills our heart with joy. The Holy Spirit pours God's love into our heart and we each experience his heart and his love for us in a unique way. However, at the same time in his love, there are some common characteristics for all of those who've experienced God's heart in their lives. We don't have time to to cover all of them, but I'm going to cover four of them very quickly. The first thing is that we are comforted when we experience the heart of Christ. 
as Paul encourages the Christians in Corinth. Oops. Paul wrote this to him. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And we know throughout Scripture that God comforts us through many ways. He comforts us through the the promise of Scripture, the wonderful promises that we find in Scripture. He comforts us through the, the fellowship with other believers. And He comforts us through the Holy Spirit that is indwelling in each of our lives. And it's through the Holy Spirit's indwelling that we experience the comfort of God. Second, we have peace when we experience the heart of Christ. Christ's peace, the heart of God, transcends any and all earthly matters that we face. Our position and our reputation does not provide lasting peace in our lives. Our wealth cannot produce true peace in our lives. A special relationship with that special person does not produce true and complete peace in our lives. There should have been some married people saying amen out there. How many... I got a very special person I'm madly in love, but there are sometimes, I can't think of any though, but sometimes I'm sure <laughs> there's not peace, right? But it is only through the Holy Spirit, our true source of peace, that we have peace. Look what scripture says in, in Philippians. Philippians 4, verses 5 through 9. Paul writes this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. It is his peace which transcends all understanding. And what that means is to the, the worldly mind, such peace is incomprehensible. There's no way to understand it. It doesn't make sense. But there is such thing as peace, and the source is the Holy Spirit. The greatest warfare in our life is the Holy Spirit versus our flesh. When we submit to the Holy Spirit in our life, we will enter one of the most unforgettable, one of the most remarkable periods of peace in our lives. More peace than we could ever imagine. The third thing that those who have experienced the love of Christ have in common is that those who have experienced the heart of Christ have joy in their lives. It is only by the filling of the Spirit that we have access to the deep reservoirs of joy found in the heart of Christ. The Holy Spirit allows us to experience a life free from the never satisfied appetites of our flesh. But instead, the Holy Spirit allows us to experience right now a life of peace and a life of joy that is only found in the kingdom of our God. 
Romans says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, fleshly things, but it is of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. When we yield to the Spirit, he opens up our eyes to God's grace that is all around us, and we experience the joy that only comes when we know the heart of Christ. And finally, I want you to notice this, that when we experience the heart of Christ, our hearts overflow with God's love. Right? When we experience the comfort of God's heart, we comfort others. And Scripture says, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God, we overflow. One of the hardest things in the world to do as a pastor or as a chaplain is to go to the parents who have just lost their child. Is to go to parents and share with them, maybe for the first time, that their child has passed away. Hardest thing to ever do in your life. And there was a chaplain in Virginia that would always take those calls, that always wanted to go on those calls. And he would go, and he had a special gift to comfort those parents. And I later learned that it was because he had sat through the death of two of his children. One was a stillborn and one died a month after being born. And it was through the love of Christ that he was comforted that he was able to comfort others. When we experience the peace of God's heart, we serve others. As the church in Philippi followed Paul's example, they find that it's not simply the peace of God, but the God of peace himself who manifested himself in Paul and in those that were following him. No one, no one in this room and nobody that knows me, especially my wife, is going to say that I am some peaceful, calm, relaxed person. I think we have this carpet up here because I have worn out this carpet on stage. My wife tells me that I make people nervous on stage because I'm always moving around. And I'm moving from side to side and some people think I'm like going to jump off the stage. They, they say I suffer from ADD. I do not suffer. I rather enjoy it. <laughs> right? That is just who I am. I see Rick over here a couple times. He's called me and said, hey, there's some crazy man pacing in the parking lot. That's just me on the phone. And he knows that. I can hear him laughing as he hangs up. However, and I cannot explain this outside the pouring of the Holy Spirit. As a disaster relief chaplain, as somebody responding to people in crisis, somehow God has given me the gift to bring calmness and peace to those in a moment of crisis, to those facing loss and confusion and total uncertainty. I can sit with them and bring peace and calmness back into their life. And I believe that comes only from the Holy Spirit. And I believe it comes from God who's gave me godly mentors who modeled the peace of God in chaotic environments for me. Guys I've gone on deployments with and guys I've done ministry with and guys I've served as a police and law enforcement chaplain with and I have seen godly men with the peace of God bring the peace of God to chaotic environments. And when we experience the joy of God's heart, we encourage others. 1 Thessalonians says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, and with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Acacia. I kid you not. You're probably not going to believe this, but as a pastor, sometimes we have bad days. Sometimes we are struggling. Sometimes our hearts are heavy. Sometimes we don't want to see anybody. We don't want to talk with anybody. Sometimes our joy seems zapped. And we simply just don't want to be happy. But I have a friend 
who has faced situations that have broken the best of men. And he has come through every single one of those with a stronger, deeper affection for God and a stronger, deeper joy in his life. And he is an example to me and countless others when we are facing tough times and difficult times and we're not feeling the joy of Christ, we can call this man up as an example. First we look to his life and then we call him up and I can already hear the conversations. David, I just need to talk to you. And then he starts telling me how great God is. Starts telling me about the joy of God and that is how he has lived his life and he is a a example and a mentor to thousands, no, I, shouldn't say, I don't know thousands, let's say hundreds, let's not get crazy up here, right? Hundreds of people that are serving in the ministry right now. So the question then is what does it look like for someone who through the work of the Spirit understands the things that God has given them freely, right? The endless grace of the heart of God. What does it look like for somebody who understands that? For somebody whom the the Spirit has poured the love of Christ into. And we've seen this example, this demonstration a a million times. And we say like, oh, this is us. And this is Christ. And he pours that Spirit and he pours his love into us. He pours his love into us. And then he keeps pouring and it overflows. And then that's usually what we do. We stop. We're like, oh, let's make it a mess. Oh, I'm uncomfortable. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure if I like that or not. And really what we've done is we've just created our own God. Because the truth is when God pours the Spirit into us, when God pulls his Holy Spirit, it is not in some controlled like mechanism like that. When God gets a hold of us and the Holy Spirit pours the love of God into us, it just goes and goes and goes. Right? We don't control it. We don't stop it. Right? This is how this I know there's guys, I'm so sorry, they're going to have to clean this up, they're going to be so mad at me, I'll help you. But this is what happens, right? This is what happens when the love of Christ pours into our life. We do not control it, we do not stop it. It overflows in our life and we go out into the world and we comfort people and we bring peace to people and we encourage people and we don't say that's enough because we don't have that authority when God is, the Holy Spirit is pouring the love of God into our hearts, I want to read to you a a letter from a missionary. This missionary was killed while she was serving in Iraq. This is an example of what it looks like for this person, what it looks like for Karen as she experienced the heart of of Christ in her life. I'm just going to read this letter to you. It's dated March 7th, 2003. This is a year before she was killed. She said, Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger, you should only be opening this letter in the event of death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible, my heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place, I was called to him. To obey was my objective, to suffer was expected, his glory was my reward. His glory is my reward. One of the most important things to remember right now is to preserve the work. I am writing this as if I am still working among my people group. I thank you all so much for the prayers and support. Surely your reward in heaven will be great. Thank you for investing in my life and spiritual well-being. Keep sending missionaries out. Keep raising up fine young pastors. In regards to any service, keep it small and simple. Yes, simple, just preach the gospel. If Jason Buss is available or his dad, have one of them sing a pretty song. But be bold and preach the life-saving, life-changing, forever eternal 
gospel give glory and honor to our Father. The missionary's heart is care more than some think is wise, risk more than some think is safe, dream more than some think is practical, expect more than some think is possible. I was, not call, I was called not to comfort or success, but to obedience. Some of my favorite scriptures are Isaiah 6, you know the one. 2 Corinthians 5, 12 through 30 through 21, 1 Peter 1, 3, Colossians 4, 2 through 6, Romans 15, 20, Psalms 25 and 27. This is a woman who knew and loved her scripture. You can look through my school fold and see where it is marked. Please use any you want and feel free uh, to use what you think is best. There is no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving him. I love you too and my church family in his care Salam, Karen. Even in her death, she is comforting others. She is comforting her pastor. She is comforting her church. She wrote this letter as if she was still serving her people. We see that when she experienced the heart of Christ, she had a heart of service. And through her letter, she encourages others. She's encouraged other missionaries. She encouraged her pastors. She encouraged her church. And here, 17 years later, her letter is still read to encourage fellow believers. Her life overflowed with the love of God as she experienced his heart. The Holy Spirit has poured God's love into Karen's heart. And she experienced his heart. And her heart was to help others to experience and to know Christ the same way that she did. When we have the same, right? Not when, we do. If you've given your life to Christ, we have the same Holy Spirit the disciples of the first century had. Right? The same ones who poured God's love into the heart of Karen Watson is pouring God's love into your heart so that you can experience the heart of Christ. And as you experience the heart of Christ... He longs to do the same work in each of you that he has done through the disciples, that he has done through faithful followers for the years past, that he has done in Karen. And as the Holy Spirit pours out God's love into the disciples, and they began to experience the heart of Christ, their lives changed dramatically. Right? They went from fearful, fair-weathered followers of, joy, of Jesus to joy-filled, sacrificial empowered world changers. You've, you've heard it before. A handful of men changed the world through the working of the Holy Spirit. Their mission, their goal was to have all experience the love of Christ, to come to know the heart of Christ. Now, do you know of God or do you know God? Have you experienced the heart of Christ in your life? If, if you have not, I would pray to the Holy Spirit. I would seek the Holy Spirit. I would ask him to pour the love of Christ into your heart right now. That you would not just know, but that you would experience the love of God. Man, we, we would love to pray for you. At the end of the service, I'll, I'll be up here, and I would love to pray with you. Tim uh, will be in the back. There's several deacons. You, you just get another believer. You just pray. We would love to do it. If you're new to this church, um, we love to pray. 
and we love Jesus. If you are just coming to Jesus for the first time, you can grab anybody here and we will celebrate and we would love to pray with you. But if you have experienced the heart of Christ in your life, how is his love overflowing in your life to those around you and to those in your community? This is the challenge for today. This is the challenge for this week. That you wouldn't just know God, but that you would experience the heart of God and allow his love to overflow in your life to those around you. Dear Heavenly Father, we just take a moment to praise you, to worship you. Lord, we are so grateful for the experience and to be able to say without a shadow of the doubt that there is a God in heaven who loves me. That we can, we don't have to question, we don't have to wonder, but through the Holy Spirit working in our lives, revealing your love to us, that we have experienced the love that changed our life and that you have used to change the world. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And Lord, we would just ask for courage as the Holy Spirit reveals your love to us and as we experience your love that we would be able to yield to the Spirit and see your love flow over and over and over and over again to those around us, that they would come to know the glory and the grace of you. Lord, we love you and we thank you and it's in your Son's precious and glorious name of Jesus we ask all of these things. And all of God's people said, amen.